We all have big dreams, but far too often, we never give them a chance to come true. Well, that all changes today. Welcome to Just Keep Learning, where we'll help you develop the right mindset, be more productive, and learn more effectively so you can accomplish anything. Here's your host, Justin at Just Tries. Our guest today is a perfect example of dedicating your time to a specific practice. He started filmmaking as an adult because he's always loved to tell stories, especially on camera. Since then, he's filmed and edited hundreds and hundreds of videos, some corporate, some fun, but all creative. We talked about pursuing our passions, ideas for being a great filmmaker, and building habits in order to succeed as a creator, especially if you're starting part-time. We took a masterclass-style approach when it comes to learning about how to make your own videos so that none of us have excuses and we can just get started. Please welcome to Interview 50, Paul Yaguchian. Yeah, so we'll fire it up. I mean, I just want to say thank you for taking the time out of your day to do this. I would love for you to give a self-introduction. I tweeted out this morning that I was going to be interviewing a world-class filmmaker and photographer today. <laughs> oh my God, why are you lying to people? <laughs> it's the truth. It's the truth. Is it? Okay. You're an incredible creator in both of those mediums, but I do like to allow people to give their own self-introduction because a lot of times on the internet, people tell us who we are or give us sort of like a branding. So who are you and kind of what do you do? Sure, sure. Uh, big thanks again, Justin, for uh, having me on. Real pleasure. And um, yeah, who am I? Jeez, it's a, it's a really it, like an interesting question because, you know, I... I don't like placing labels on myself for people. I kind of like, I just think, you know, being a creator as in life, I think it always changes. So I'm always really hesitant on putting like a label. I mean, for me, if I were to like, if I, if I was in, an, if I was in like an elevator with someone and they asked me, what do I do? I would basically tell them, I just document life. That's basically what I would say, right? Because that sort of title is so broad. And then the person's going to be like, what the hell does that mean? Right? So you know, taking it from the start, it was interesting because I'm going on Instagram the other day and I was having all these memories about like when I first started to like make videos, right? So the quick and short story is um, I joined a meetup group called Get Out Shoot in 2017, right? So it was like a photography meetup in 2017 and there are people from all walks of life there. And at the time in 2017, I thought, man, wouldn't it be great to make videos, like document like the group and show other people that weren't in the group that were pretty pretty cool to hang out with because sometimes photo meetup groups get a bad rap like they're kind of snooty they're kind of uh, egocentric and you know sometimes they don't get a real welcoming reception so I, th I thought at the time wouldn't it be cool to make videos right so I, but in 2017 I didn't know how to make a video I had zero clue so I went to the Toronto School of Art to take like, a summer course on how to like make and edit a video <laughs> and then from there that's when I just started making videos of like the meetup group right so I was like documenting the group, but also like myself, right? Because so, like sometimes I go back to like those, those early videos that I made and it's like, like it's cool to see like where I came from. It's like, man, like my first like video was in a snowstorm and it was like minus 20 degrees. Like I had no business making a video then, but I just wanted to do it because I just wanted to like show the group. So I was like documenting that. I was like documenting myself, like the group, like, hey, we're like, we're fun and all that stuff. And I think at the time we were like maybe two, like 2,000 people. I think now we're, we're almost at 13,000 people, right? I mean, that really wasn't like the goal to like get the numbers up. It was just a matter of like, just like showing others like, hey, like if you're, if you're looking for like a group to join, we may be it. 
In terms of content, I'm always about like show, don't tell. If I'm trying to explain something to someone, I don't think people understand because they don't, they have a different version of what I'm trying to explain. But if I just show them the video instead of explaining the video, I think it goes a long way. From there, right? I made a bunch of videos there. I don't know, like over, over like 200 videos. And then from there, like during the pandemic, I started making videos like small business, right? Making videos with small business. It was totally free. I just wanted to have the practice of like dealing with like a client and kind of going through the whole like A to Z process of like, okay, let's sit down. What are you looking for? What do you want? Shooting a video, doing the editing, sharing the stuff. So I did like over 30 small, small, small business videos during that. So again, it was sort of like documenting like that time. And then from there, I started applying to like real jobs like you making videos. Like last year, I got a job making videos. Um, I still have the job, like I'm making videos for like, like this landscape company. I think it just goes to show like the importance of like keeping going, right? Like we were just talking about offline about like sticking to the process. You know what I mean? So it's really interesting because at, at any point you can really like stop doing it because it's really easy not to do it, especially when you're not getting paid and no one's really watching and mm-hmm. no one's really like paying attention, right? So. Yeah. And like, you know, currently at that job, like they want to document like their whole process and like their team and like their story and like why they do, how they do it. It's in vlog format. Sometimes the vlogs are in like their van driving to a site. So again, it's sort of like documenting that. Yeah. I don't know. That's what I would tell people is like, just, yeah, I just, I I document life. I mean, I I, I don't know how else to really phrase it because it always changes. I don't know where, 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 like where I'm going to be in six months. Like it may be totally different. Which is pretty cool. And I'm sure we'll get into a lot of philosophical kind of conversations too about that idea of as a friend of mine, his his recent book is on fire right now, is starting to like really take off. And I don't know that he knew that it would, right? But he wrote it and it's called The Pathless Path. And the idea is that in life, that's the best philosophy we can have is continue to make these pivots, go on with our gut. But a lot of people, you know, have a lot of trouble with that. So in your case, when you got into filmmaking when you decided oh hey i'm going to go take this course to learn a little bit more about it what was it about that medium was it something that you always wanted to do from when you were a kid or what was it that got you into taking that leap to go take that course yeah yeah i've never i mean i never really looked at video prior to joining the meetup group like it was never really on my radar maybe photography was on my radar maybe around like 2010 maybe but not really in a serious fashion i actually like writing stories before that like, I like writing before all this stuff came about. But I've always liked creating something, be it like a short story, be it like a drawing, even though I'm not a very good drawer. Like I always like just making something, whatever the medium was. I just found that video, I just had the most fun with video because it, it just, for me, it just, I don't know, it's so much fun in the edit to me. It's like you can, you can do a lot of stuff in the edit. I just, I, just, I just needed a way to like teach myself how to actually do it. And I don't know. I just, I don't know. I just, I like the rawness of it. I like being able to like capture moments. I like being able to like talk to people in real time and like kind of get in their thoughts on things. And I don't know, to me, like video has such a, has such a realness to it because you're right there in the moment, you know, like live in real life versus a photo where it's static or versus like a short story where you kind of have to like visualize what's happening. Like a video, it's like, boom, like you're there. Yeah. And from there, you just kind of keep going, right? So like, it's just, it's just a matter of, you know, like we were saying offline, like don't look at the results, like just kind of like make the next one and make the next one, you know, like it's, uh, it's tough. It's it's definitely easier said than done, right? Now, when you went to that school of art and took the filmmaking course, I'm sure you had some self-learning and I'm sure you had that. A lot of 
debate we could call it on this show is around this idea of like, should I go to a formal school? Should I just find some creator online who teaches this topic and learn from them? Or should I just learn on my own or a combination of the three? To specifically speak though, to what you did learn there or what you remember from what you took there in the art of filmmaking or creating, what were things that you learned there that you did take with you? You know, looking back on it now, I mean, obviously it was a pretty basic class. I just, I was able to, from the, honestly, the most important thing was just being comfortable asking questions, right? Because there's just so much to learn. And for me, like going back to the question of like, which there's no best way to learn. Like for me, I needed to, I needed to be in an environment where I could ask questions because I can't learn that well off, off a YouTube video. Like I need to be on the computer showing the person the problem and being able to like go, go with that person live. So I mean, honestly, like from that classroom, it was just a really good environment to be in. Just being able to kind of go through the whole process, you know, from importing footage to like exporting. There's a, there's a whole series of things that has to happen. Being able to craft like a good introduction, like a hook, especially being able to craft a good hook. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Like it was, it, was, it was just a basic way of just being able to like import and export something out. Like, how do you do it? Like, what do you do? And for me, just being able to like be in a classroom was the best way. You could definitely learn off YouTube. People learn off YouTube all the time. There's definitely nothing wrong with it. Or people can learn just by playing around with it too. But I don't know. I just found the whole thing very overwhelming. So I needed to be in a place where I could ask questions to someone live. Yeah. And I, I was just about to ask when it came to stacking on top of that, like what were some of the other resources that you used to learn? Did you get a book? Did you get a book as well as go on YouTube? Like what were some of your favorite resources? I just made stuff. I just made stuff. I just made, I don't know, I took the, what was it? Summer of 2018 was when I took that course. So basically, you know what, when the course was maybe on a Tuesday night and then from there at the meetup group on the weekend, I would just try to make a video on the weekend. And just apply what mm -hmm. I learned from the class that day to the video that I'm going to make that weekend. And I just did that over like six, six to eight weeks, right? Because I can't, I can't, for me, I can't learn reading. I need to, like, I need to do it. Like, I need to actually like play around with the camera, like play around with like the software. So I just basically put it into practice and just, hey, let's go make a video this weekend. And there's a right. meetup and try to make something, right? So, and I honestly, I think, I don't know, I don't know what other, what other best way is to to learn is just to actually do it because you're always going to like learn from the previous one and apply what you learned to the next one. And then just kind of snowballs and I keep going and then you like it. And then all mm -hmm. of a sudden you've made, you know, 500 yeah. videos and then, okay, you know, it doesn't have to be a video. It can be anything. It's like someone else may be better, at, better at you than something, but if they don't actually show it, no one really knows. It's like, Oh, like I'm better at, I'm better at you than making video. Okay. Well show me like, where's your video. Right. So if you constantly produce stuff, people will start to pay attention because you actually, again, show versus tell, like, here it is. Tell me what you think, what's good, what needs improvement, all that stuff. There's no other way to do it for me. Yeah. I'm reading uh, Seth Godin's most recent book called The Practice. And anyone who wants to be a creator, if they're looking for like that one book, that's a hard thing to do because I would get into like Austin Cleon's, you know, show your work or steal like an artist or keep going. I would, you know, share uh, the creative act by Rick Rubin. I mean, I could list a whole bunch, but this is right up there, at least tied with number one in terms of the idea of helping creators not just get started, but keep going and how to do essentially all three of those things, how to show your work as well. And the reason he calls it the practice is because it needs to be something that we don't know if it will work. It needs to be something that's generous because you're giving to people. It needs to be something that you are doing because you want to share it with the world. And most importantly, you need to ship it as soon as you can to keep going. And so that 
the practice, there's really no better kind of explanation than that. Now, I do feel like for people who listen, let's say I send this to a class who's currently studying filmmaking, and I'm like, here's a good example of like some things that would help you learn. Step one, if we made a blog post about it, is going to be get out and shoot, just go make stuff. Like that's pretty clear. Make as much as you possibly can and learn from that. And then in terms of documenting the things that you remember learning, whether it's something as technical as how to keep the camera in focus, or do you use, you know, autofocus versus manual, or like, what are things that you remember by getting out and shooting though, that can just kind of frame what it was like becoming a really good filmmaker? Yeah, I would just mention like, yeah, focus is important. Obviously, like the, you know, the Differences between frame rates, if you want to show, shoot between 24, 30, 120, like what is that doing in video? Like when should you use 24 or 30 or 120 or, or 60 or whatever? Like when should you use different frame rates? So when is that? Those kinds of things. And this is this is so fun. I, I, I want to speak to this quickly because I think it's so helpful to people, whether they're going to start a podcast or they're trying to write a book or it doesn't anything they're creating, you're going to probably borrow from experts. So I'm writing a book right now on how to podcast. There's a billion different books out there, but mine's going to be unique because I'm pulling quotes from guests I've had. I'm using my own experience and telling stories. And then I'm pulling from experts that I appreciate in the field. When I had, um, I think it was when Brendan Kane was on, it's come up like four or five times when Mike Metzger came on to talk about marketing, Ariel, when she came on to talk about podcasting. In all those cases, we had this conversation about as the expert, it can be so difficult to not just go quickly and be like, oh yeah, when I like think about, you know, 24 frames per second. And then like somebody who's in like, let's say the 10th grade sitting in a classroom being like, whoa, 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 pump the brakes. What do you mean by that? Because this stuff comes so naturally to you. And so it's been so fun on this show having this, I suppose you could say challenge, but it's just been fun trying to be like, okay, how do we deconstruct? some of those terms and things, keeping the beginner in mind as if you were going out on a Saturday walk and you did like a 10 person brand new filmmaking session. Yeah, no, it's good. It's a good point. I mean, it is, it is a good challenge where we're, we're just so in the zone of doing whatever we're doing. It's easy to forget. Oh yeah, you got to do these steps to get to here, but we don't even think about it. It's kind of like driving a car, right? You, you don't even, you just drive the car. You don't even think about getting the keys and turning the car and all that stuff. So yeah, it is definitely a good challenge. I would even before the frame rate, it's like, well, what kind of lens do you want to use? And like, what are you trying to show? Are you trying to, sh- are you trying to use a wide lens to show like a wide frame where you're trying to get close to someone to like create drama like you want to use a tight lens to create drama on someone like what is it that you want to show that's that's where i would start is like what do you like like what is it that you want to make right from there what what is it that you want to make and then from there you're going to know what lens you want to use and would you mix up lenses in a shoot why not it creates um flow in the video so, you know you don't you know pe- people ask me all the time it's like well what camera should i use I'm like, what camera do you have it's like i have my phone we'll just use your phone right because you know some phones have different focal lengths so you can definitely use it you know some phones have different frame rates so again going back to the frame rate if you want to for example if you're shooting like someone skateboarding down the down the street you can use 120 to slow that person down to create slow motion, right? To kind of create a more like cinematic feel instead of the person kind of skateboarding in real time, use a slower frame rate like 120 to slow that person down. And then it's more like, more of like a, like a cinematic feel to like the video. It depends on what kind of mood that you want to give the person. Like what is it that you want to focus on? You know, what is it that you want to 
show the viewer. And from there, you know, again, that's why I always tell people, like, it's important to like make stuff for yourself. Like what is it that you want to make versus what other people want you to make, right? Which I think we get into when we start to have a little bit of success on whatever platform we're on. It's like people will start want you to make things that you may not want to make, right? So, which is a dangerous road to go down because, you know, if you don't want to make it, it's going to show because you're not really putting all, all, like, all of yourself into the project, right? So what is, and I'm going to make this tough on you by continuing to ask the white belt level questions and just helping people on that first step. So literally, what is frame rate? Sure. So like basically, like a frame rate is your clip has frame rates, right? So for every second of video, there's a frame rate, meaning one second is in that frame rate, right? So when I say 24 frames, there's 24 frames in that second of video, right? So think of it like a draw, think of it like a, how do you describe it? Like a, someone sketched us talking, but for every every second of whatever, we're, like this clip, like this video that we're on, there's 24 frames of us in one second of this video recording. Basically 24 pictures. Basically 24 photos, 24 photos in this one second of this video recording, right? So 24 frames is basically real life to the human eye. It's how the human eye perceives the world is 24 frames. When I say shooting in 60 frames, now there's 60 pictures of us talking in this one second of video. So now it's slowing us down a little bit. Understand? Does that make any sense? Yeah. It basically be adding more detail, right? We're adding more detail. We're slowing down this one second of video into 60 illustrations. Think of it. I always try to tell people it's like, you know, how when you're like a kid and you have like a book and it just had pictures and you kind of like thumb the, the corner, yeah, like the pages together and you see a move. That's basically what it is. Yeah. That'd be a good uh, video to make. <laughs> it would be. It would be. Right. So 120, when I say shooting in 120 frames, now there's 120 photos in that one second. So it's slowing down even more. Now there's more detail. Now there's so just a way of making your video a little bit more cinematic versus just straight 24, where it's just real life happening and there's no kind of like change in movement. Again, depends on what you want to show. So I, I completely agree with the idea of like Casey Neistat says, and I certainly grew up as a filmmaker on his life, his work, you know, like I think a lot of people who love the idea of logging did and that classic question, what camera do I shoot with? He's probably heard a billion times and I'm sure you've heard a million times. And his answer is always the same as yours, right? Shoot with the best camera you have at your disposal, like whatever you have. And when it comes to that, I think that's well established. So you have a camera, you want to try and, and go use that and change some lenses, use some longer lenses, some wider lenses, use your phone, etc. I actually shot what I think was at least the footage was successful. I don't know about the video, but when I went to VCon last year, I created the entire vlog solely with my phone. Uh, it was the first time that I ever left my camera at home instead of actually bringing it. And I was like, you know what? I'm gonna give this a shot. And the funny thing is, it was only the audio that was a challenge. That's a whole other topic because I didn't account for that anyways. And I didn't wanna invest in the time of like handing people a microphone or being closer to them anyways and dealing with audio. But that's, that's a whole other subject. So sticking with this idea of putting a film together, you establish the camera, you're using that kind of thing. In your experience, what have you learned about the idea of using a storyboard versus just kind of creating whatever you want? So I don't really use storyboards too much. I honestly like the rawness of just going. I mean, first of all, I like being able to like 
make stuff with other people and I like not having a script, right? So last year I made a bunch of, like I went to Comic-Con last year. From the Comic-Con video, I just basically went up to people. They had no idea who, who I was, what I was doing, why you have a camera. I just went up to them and I asked them, what's the best thing, what's the best thing you love about Comic-Con? And that was the question. I asked like 20 people and it was fantastic. So there was no, I just wanted to see what, what, what I could get. Like for me, that's what really makes me like making videos is being able to like make something when you're not guaranteed the outcome. Like you need to really like be, get out there and just put yourself out there and just ask people, hey, this is what I'm trying to make today. Would you help me? I didn't even ask that. I just, I just, went, I just said, hey, nice costume. Like, what, do you, what do you love about Comic-Con? And people will, would be willing to answer. Right. So for me, it's not really about like the formal process of storyboarding or scripting or having like a clear outline of what I want to do. I'm like, I just have an idea in my head and I'm just going to go out and ask people whatever. Even I mean, that comes from like the meetups, right? Because the meetups, I had no the meetup groups. I just asked them, hey, what do you what do you what do you love? What do you love about photography or what do you love about this camera? What do you love about, you know, this location to shoot? So for me, it's like I'm just curious about like how people will answer me when they have no idea like what the hell is going on. So when you first said, I don't use a storyboard, of course, that doesn't surprise me. I know the type of creator that you like to be. I was about to say, but because this is similar to how I am, do you have a tiny bit of a storyboard or a framework in your head? Because <laughs> that counts, right? There, there is a framework in my head. I have, like a, I have like a start, I have an end, and I have, I have a general idea of how I want the video to look. But in terms of like when you're dealing with like real life in the fly moments, you're not guaranteed the result because you're dealing in real life like uh, this is not a set with actors this is like people roaming around going who the hell are you mm -hmm. and the, the reason i asked that is because it'd be i'd be interested in knowing like to what extent do you have a shot list i guess in that case obviously you wanted to get the shots of asking people what they love about comic-con and so that's kind of one of those classic filmmaking 101 things where people are going to say like oh create your shot list and then go get your shots so do you think about that basically in your head then well i mean when, when, when i'm trying to ask people questions i i i have that in my head in terms of like having the b-roll part yeah sure i'll have a shot list of getting an intro so for example comic-con you want to get the comic-con sign you want to get some b-roll people walking into the building you want to maybe do a time lapse of people inside the building having that b-roll to support the video so there is that aspect to it where you need to plan the intro you need to plan the outro like what shots do you want for those but apart from that, really, it's just a matter of like getting the content when you're kind of dependent on other people for that, right? So I don't know. For me, I don't know. It's just, I don't know. It's a weird way of doing it. But for me, I just, like, I like doing it that way because it's a challenge because you're not guaranteed the result, right? You're not dealing with a set. You're not dealing with actors. You're not dealing with a script. You're just, okay, this is the idea. Let's go do it. If it's a weird way, then I'm really weird too, because it's definitely the way that I love to make my own films. And I, I would love to, for me, on the continuum between work and vocation, as well as like hobby on the far other end, I'm very much a hobbyist. So I don't get to get out and create as much as I would like to, or I should argue that I don't get to edit as much as I would like to, uh, but it's still something that I love. And that's exactly what I do too. You know, I just went down, well, the day that you and I met, I went down there and just shot a bunch of video. And then to me, the way that I like doing it, and another example is I went down to New York City, I met up with three different influencers in the creators, creator space, and I went and just 
shot some of their process and asked them a few questions off the top off the cuff and then like I brought all that footage back. Now, I love the way that I describe this to people is now you have all your clay and you want as many pieces and amount and different colors and and elements of clay as you can have and then you can go sculpt something. Like that's my process for sure. That's how I love to make stuff. But let's say you go to Comic-Con, you get all that clay and then you come back and what do you do now? <laughs> yeah, sure. So, I mean, for me, it's like I always tell people, like, if you want to start making videos, like, just be organized. And people get organized in different ways. Find a way to, like, organize your footage where it's easy to find stuff because there's nothing worse than spending half an hour looking for one clip. It's just going to make the whole process not fun. I've been there many times. Right. So for me, I, I have my own process of organizing my footage into what we call bins, you know, for Comic-Con, for example, I'll have like a bin just for intro. So all my clips for the intro go there, all the clips just for the people I speak with. So they go in that bin so I can easily find them. Right. So I just have a way of maneuvering around the bins to find the stuff that I need because it just makes the process faster. Um, that's the one thing I would tell you, just be organized because it's very easy to like look for stuff and then it just becomes not fun. So from there, honestly, the first thing that I do is I want, I want to find a hook. I want to find somewhere. I already, and I already know this from talking to the people. I know that someone said something that's going to just get people interested in having someone watch the video further, right? So I'll have that person, whatever the clip was, at the start. And so what is a, what is a hook? So the hook is something that will grab the viewer's attention. You need something to grab the viewer's attention. And it's generally, it's not me. If I'm with other people, it's going to be someone else that did something funny or stupid or whatever the thing is. Like, it's going to be at the start. Even the, the video that I did two, two weeks ago at the, when, I went, when, when, we went to the Air, when we went to the Airbnb to shoot the photo shoot, I had Joe. I was just talking to Joe. And there's like, you know, 20 people there. Joe was funny because he said, look at me, I'm the star. And he was being funny because everyone else was the star. So I, when he said that, I put him at the start because I just thought it was funny. It was a nice kind of like contrast to like what the actual video was about. So I always, I always want to find a hook. I want to find something cool that happened or funny or we're just going to grab the viewer's attention to have the viewer just keep watching because generally on YouTube, that's what you want. You need to find a way to hook the viewer in, whatever that is. And then from there, you need to tell the viewer what the video is about. Like why, like what are you trying to like what do you like what is the video about and what do you, and why and why should i spend time watching right so you need to have a hook you need to have like kind of like not a mission statement but like what's the video's purpose and then the really crucial thing is sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't is that you need to you need to have not a quest but like you need to like have something to keep the viewer watching to the end so if it's like you know if it's like i don't know what it is if it's like um, if you're trying to like find something in the store just a silly example you need to find Give a reason for the viewer to watch to the end, like whatever that is, a quest or you're trying to find something or you're trying to like do something or you're trying to achieve something or trying to like catch a flight. Like you want the viewer to like be curious, like is this person going to actually do it? And you want to see that to the end, right? Because you need to like kind of have like a roadmap for the viewer of, okay, I want to know if Justin's going to make this flight. And that's a, that, that might be the whole video. So you're just, hey, I may not, I may, I may be late for this flight. And if you go on YouTube a lot and watch a lot of creators, they'll, they'll like have this in their video where it's like they're trying to do something or they're trying to achieve something. And it's like, well, I want to know if this person actually does it. Mm -hmm. And from there, honestly, from there, that's when really kind of having like a good outline of the video is, is knowing where you want to take the viewer. Like, what do you like? What's the kind of like, what's like the payoff? Like, what's the payoff? Like, like, why should the viewer watch to the end?
but that's not easy to do. That comes from practice, right? Like, especially when like me, when you're dealing with like, just like real life stuff, it's like, okay, guys, I'm going to like, you know, talk to people about like what they love about Comic-Con. I mean, from there, you could maybe position it up like, you know, maybe you're trying to talk to like I don't know, maybe there's someone famous at Comic Con that you're trying to talk to. That would be a good way to do it. Like maybe you're trying to talk to I don't know, like Mark Hamill. And hey, am I going to talk to Mark Hamill? Who knows? But that would be a good way to like have like a payoff. It's like, is he going to talk to Mark Hamill or not? That is a good example. Like it's just a way of like, okay, is he going to actually achieve what he said he's going to achieve at the start? You know, you look at Mr. Beast does it all the time. That's how he does it. Like what's like the payoff, right? Yeah, pretty much every video is that formula in his case. Mm-hmm. When it comes to the idea of software, because again, going back to being a true beginner, it's like, okay, cool. I understand how to go out and take videos on my phone. And then there are so many uh, different options about what I use when it comes to editing this, because now that's what we're talking about, right? We're talking about the whole idea of being in post, as people say. And so once we're in post and we're going to be editing this, what are the tools that you use? So I use Adobe Premiere Pro, which, um, so basically there's like three main players in like the editing space. There's, there's Adobe Premiere Pro, DaVinci Resolve, and Final Cut. They all do a good job. It depends on what you like to use. It's sort of like driving a car, like what kind of car do you like to drive? It's all user preference. They all have their different price points. They all have their advantages and, and disadvantages. Uh, and that's what I learned from that class that I took at Toronto School of Art is that they said we're going to learn on Premiere. Say, okay. There's no right or wrong answer. It's just how do you work? Like, do you use a pencil or a pen? They both do the same thing. Like, what do you do? Like, you know what I mean? So for music, I use Epidemic Sound, which is a licensed creator subscription model to get music, which you can use on YouTube. Be careful where you get your music from. Depends on where you want to share it. But, you know, you don't want to get an angry email or something saying take your stuff down because it does happen, right? So Epidemic is good. There's a few other sites, uh, Artlist, SoundCloud. There's a bunch of sites for music. Uh, I would say music is hard because you need just the right song to kind of like emphasize on what you're trying to show in the video. Um, what else do I use? Epidemic has sound effects too. So I also use that for sound effects if you kind of like want to just create a little bit of oomph in your, in your video. Um, there's actually a free app called CapCut. I don't know if you use CapCut at all, but CapCut is fairly good in terms of like having visual effects. And uh, it's a good way to... Um, just to have visual effects in your videos and it's easy to do, right? Because there's also Adobe After Effects, which is more involved. But I find CapCut does a not a bad job in terms of just creating visually visual effects in, in your video. I don't know what else do I use? I think that's kind of like it. Um, yeah, you don't really you don't really need too much. You just really need to um, be able to actually make it. <laughs> Right. Because again, like it's like, you know, I can tell you all day how to edit a video in, a, in, a, in, a, in this video recording. You know, once you start down on the computer, it's like, OK, now what? Well, yeah. And that's going to be everyone's next step, right, is taking what we talk about here today and then being like, OK, here we go. I'm taking the leap. I'm going to get out and shoot. I'm going to take a, a bunch of video. I'm going to get some main stuff. I'm going to get some B-roll and then I'm going to sit down at my desk. And I know that feeling. It's like, OK, now what? And you just start dragging things around. And again, if we were helping someone on live, they would struggle with like, how do you even click on the initial video in something like a Premiere Pro, have the uh, the preview mode like space? And then how do you grab that and bring it down? Now, those kind of technical things are very easy. I remember for me, I definitely went onto YouTube. Like, how do you use Premiere Pro tutorial? I don't really want to get in 
to that, but I would love to know you throw all that footage into Premiere Pro, you start chopping and bringing it all together. Uh, first off, a big question that people have is like, how do you think about music and or when does it go into your, work, work, your workflow? Do you put the whole video together and then go to Epidemic Sound and look for music? Or what do you think about when it comes to audio? There's two, there's two schools of thought. Um, there's a big camp where you should have your music set or selected even prior to shooting. I generally, I generally will have the music before I start putting the video together. I generally would like that because I want to know, like, again, if you're talking into like editing music, generally you want to have the clip match the beats of the music. So if it's a fast clip with lots of beats, you need to have what we call B-roll of whatever like your supporting footage is match the match the beat to that that music right so if it's like boom 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 you need to have like fast clips instead of like one long clip where it doesn't really match the beat if you're shooting a cinematic snowfall in like Banff are you going to have a summer music probably not you're going to have want to have like a winter theme type of music you're going to have kind of like want to have like a moody some sort of moody undertone to kind of match like the snowfall versus if you're on the beach maybe you're doing a video of a volleyball match on the beach you generally want to have like a summer theme music because that's that's the mood like what is it what like what is the mood like what is it is it is it happy is it sad is it fast are you driving a race car? are you shooting f1 and you need to have like a fast clip to like match like the cars so you always want to make sure that your music matches the mood because that just makes sense. Like, why would you have like a happy theme song to like a sad occasion, <laughs> right? It just, it just, it's, it's common sense, but you just always want to have like, okay, what's the mood? Like, what, like, what am I trying to convey? Because that's going to make your video just that much better. It's just going to have that, you know, what I call, what I call sauce to it, right? The right mood. And that's why music is hard sometimes because sometimes you don't like the music, the song doesn't really have that thing that you want to, to have, right? Again, I can't, it's just something that you know inside. It's like, that's the right song or, Rick Rubin talks about, I think he was talking about like, he was asked a question, how do you know, how do you know if a song is good? He's like, how, how do you know if you like this kind of food? You just kind of know, you know what I mean? Like you just kind of know if it's good or not. That's what I would say about music is just make sure it's the right mood to what you're trying to show. And you'll just know in, like, instantly. It's just one of those things, you know? Yeah, I feel music is one of those great examples of you eventually need to just ship the work too, because I feel like I could sit there and be like, ah, oh, yeah, but there's got to be a better one that fits even better out there. And then just continue to go through the deep dive of like finding something that fits even better. And then at a point you got to be like, okay, I'm done. And then that goes the same for the edit, you know, because one of the things that I like to do is change the speed sometimes because I shot it at a certain speed and I thought at the time that that would make sense or I put something in reverse, right? Like I shot this plane moving this way, but I'm like, you know what? It actually kind of looks more interesting and makes more sense to the flow of the story if this plane's coming this way. And so those kinds of things I play with sometimes in post or like the, the drones flying over the crowd in this direction. But I feel like if I reverse the footage and it comes in this direction, it's going to pull people into the stage where the speakers are or something like that. At a point, I have to be like, all right, I'm done. It's time to ship. And so when we go from final cut to exporting and packaging it and sharing it with the world, what are some of your personal insights for that? Share as much as you can everywhere. I mean, honestly, like to me, it's like you need to be your, like, your biggest cheerleader, right? Because no one's going to do it for you. I think that's even true, even when you make it, even when you get success, maybe you make it big. I think you still need to be, be your biggest cheerleader because 
in the end, it's up to you to make the next one. So in terms of sharing your work, it's like I share, just share it on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Reels, like wherever you can put something, put it. Because you never know where it's going to end up and you never know who's who's watching. You just never know who's going to watch. And these people may never comment or say anything to you, but hey, maybe they watch because because they like they like what they see, right? So you just need to do it as much as possible and just be consistent. It's easy to get stuck in your own head where you may not be happy about a video. Like for me, it's like I'm actually I'm actually the most proud of the of videos that the, most proud of the videos that don't do well for me because for me it's like well I'm so glad I made it. You know I mean because again like it's still for me like that video was still for, like again there's a huge debate on Twitter and everywhere about like making stuff for you versus the audience and that debate will never go. I think you can make it for everyone. <laughs> In the end, you can make it for everyone if you do it right, right? Because even if you're doing like a product review, if you really like the product, it's going to show in the video. If you don't, if you're just, if you're just, if you're just doing it for a payday, I think it's going to show. That's why I said at the start, it's, it's really important to make stuff for yourself first. You know, for me, it's like, I don't know, stats matter, but they don't. It's like, okay, well, you, you, have, no, you have no control over something once, you, once it's out there, zero control. So you just need to you just need to just be be your biggest cheerleader and just hey this is what I'm doing and and just be proud of it right because honestly maybe out of a hundred people maybe ten people will actually share you share their work right because not 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 everyone shares their work right because it could be imposter syndrome it could be like lack of validation it could be lack of confidence whatever the thing is like if your goal at the start is to share the work if that's why you're doing it and not sharing for the validation you're sharing because you want to sh- show someone something then you should do it. And just before you share it, in terms of the packaging of it, how do you think about things like coming up with a title? Did you have the title before in your head, like the storyboard, or is it something that you always do after and like a thumbnail? What about those tips? Yeah, for me, the titles I usually get during the course of the day filming, because someone someone may say something to me, like when we did the event at Vision Room, when there was like a bunch of models and small business owners and all that. And there was a big like photo event going on. I asked someone, um, how do you approach your photography? And they said, with curiosity and gratitude. And I said, that's like, that's the title. <laughs> because I don't know, I just, I just found that really kind of profound. It's like, yeah, you should be curious. You should be grateful because there's like 80,000 people here and they're all trying to, you know, they're all trying to like be seen and kind of like be validated, which, you know, which is normal. But I mean, yeah, if you approach it with curiosity and gratitude, I think I think it goes a long way. So honestly, like the title comes from like usually the day of filming because something may happen to trigger that. And with thumbnails, yeah, I don't know. Again, it just it just it sort of happens during the day of filming. Like it's I don't know, I don't really plan the thumbnail too much. It just it's just a matter of like, what happened that day? Like, what like, what can I show someone? I don't know. Yeah, there's a whole there's a whole school of thought on titles and thumbnails for sure, bro. Like you could I think there should be a whole course on that, which I'm sure there is. Yeah. And I, someone like Mr. Beast paying 10K a thumbnail to just get it right. But again, we're talking about an entirely different creator, yet he's top of mind a lot of times, but he's also thoughtful. So it shows like it must help a little bit. I also see plenty of creators who, well, again, we brought up Casey Neistat. That's another good example of like legitimate solo creators, not the person's a solo creator, but they have a massive team creating for them. Actual solo creators who still manage to pull it off with very natural uh, thumbnails and like not unique, like, uh, sorry, unique titles, but nothing like that's really overly clickbait or anything like that. And they still build this audience. So I think it's definitely clear that both things can work. Uh, We've referenced a lot of people, like I just said, Mr. Beast, Casey, and others. Who are some of the heroes or people that you gain inspiration from as a creator? 
Yeah, I would say um, there's a there. Well, he used to be a daily vlogger. There's a vlogger in Paris named Jay Swanson. He doesn't do daily vlogs anymore, but he used to, and they were actually really good because they were like sort of like how I make my videos, where it's like real and like he's kind of like going through the streets of Paris and just kind of like living his life and just talking to people and blah blah blah. And I really like that. I really like kind of like the rawness of it. So I gain a little bit of inspiration from him. There's a travel travel photographer called Brendan Vanson. Um, I was actually in one of his YouTube videos before I started my YouTube channel because he was in Toronto and he did a lot of, his was more focused on travel photography, but at the same time, it was still kind of like a rawness to it where it's like, okay, I'm going to go through Toronto, but this is what we're going to shoot today. But it wasn't overly cinematic. It was just kind of like more of a kind of like a daily vlog. And I like that style too. Who else do I watch? In terms of the big names, um, I don't know if you know Baldwin Bankrupt. He's big on YouTube, but again, he's just, he has... 8 million subscribers on YouTube and he just basically travels and just talks to people. And it's really, it's really interesting because I think it shows like if you have a little bit of personality, you don't need to be a cinematic masterpiece to gain success on YouTube. You just need to be able to communicate in front of the camera and just have people just curious and interested, right? You look at people like, you know, Peter McKinnon and Matty Apoya, sure, they're cool, but you don't need to be on that level to have some sort of site. You just need to be able to be in front of the camera and just be able to like have a presence, you know, which is e easier said than done. Because uh, a lot of people don't like being in front of the camera. And I think for the people that don't like being in front of the camera, I didn't like being in front of the camera. You just you just practice, you go to a park, no one there, and you just start talking to a camera. And you just keep doing that until you can be in a, in a crowd of five people. And then once you start doing that 10 people, and then from that 20 people, and then you just kind of gain that gain that confidence, because it's still weird talking to a camera in public. The thing that I hate is like, I don't like being at home talking to a camera making a video. It's like, I would need to be, I need to be outside and I need to like, just be among other people to like do this. It's just too static for me sitting behind a table talking about a product. Like, I don't, it's not my thing. Like I don't, I'm not really interested in that. I'm more interested in just being able to walk around with the camera and doing whatever I'm doing that day. Cause you know, some people may stop me and say, Hey, what are you doing? It's like, Oh, I'm making a YouTube video. Oh, I get it. I get it. I get it. Okay. But that comes from practice and you, need to be, you, need, you just need to practice and there's no other way to do it. You just need to do it. I know that, you know, f kind of from my journey over the last few years, that grief's been a big part of it. One of the stories that you told and created as far as like being with that get out and shoot group that we've talked about a lot of times was your tribute to your friend, Bert. And something that I'm a big fan of is giving flowers <laughs> while we can. And then in the event that it's too late, I guess, like to use a term, but it's it's never too late is my point about this question. Uh, I'm curious if we were to kind of pay tribute to by talking about some of the things that you learned from him as a photographer, what sticks out? Yeah, Bert, I mean, Bert, Bert definitely had a presence. Like he knew a lot of stuff. Like, he was really good and he was able to teach it. For me, it's like some people may know it, but they may not be able to teach it. But Bert had both. He knew it and he could teach it which goes a long way. And he was able to like, doesn't matter what camera you're using or what skill level, he was able to like, everyone was the same to him. Like, it doesn't matter, everyone's the same and yep, yeah, no worries. So, I mean, with Bert, like, yeah, I don't know. He, um, he was always curious, you know? He did photography for a long time, but he was still learning stuff. He goes, oh, Paul, you're like, it's never done. Like, you're always gonna learn something. Like, you're never not done. Like, there's always something to learn. And that's what he told me. It's like, there's always something to learn. There's always something to be curious about. There's always something to try. And, you know, that's what he kind of like, kind of like focused on is just being able just to still be curious at that age to be curious about it just to still be able to kind of have the passion for it you know and I was I don't honestly I was really you know 
again, going back to the start of this interview, you know, being able to like document, right? Document Bert. I had all this footage, so I made that tribute because I knew I had the, I knew I had I had all that footage, right? So that's what I tell people. It's like just you know, document just for you because you never know what's going to happen. You never know, like you know, just document for you and just have that because hey, you never know, right? So. Yeah, I don't know. I just remember, I just, I don't, know, I don't know, like his his wife called me that day. It was crazy. I'm like, what? I just talked to him like last week. So, and then I thought, well, what can I do, right? So I thought, okay, I'll make this. I had all this footage. So I made that video. And um, yeah, it's crazy, man. It's crazy. Oh, just, um, yeah. You, again, the power of documenting, like whatever, it doesn't have to be video. Maybe it could be journaling. Maybe it could be photography. Maybe it could be whatever the, whatever the outlet is, just having something for you. It's also cool to look back on in like five years, 10 years, right? Cause Hey, Oh yeah. I remember doing that or I, I, Oh yeah. I met that person that day or that happened that day. Cause you know, life goes so fast now. It's, it's hard to, it's easy to lose track of the days and it's easy to lose track of like what's, what's going on and like what's happening. So um, having that sort of like documentation kind of like slows life down a little bit, you know? Yeah. It's pretty special. I, I really enjoyed that video of yours. And for me, within 24 hours of my brother dying in a car accident, I took a bunch of photos from his childhood, hung them in a tree, shot them in a cinematic way. But then I was able to pull some like videos from you know his facebook as well as like older ones from like really really old little camera cassettes that we had and then put together a video and i feel like it, it was interesting at the time a lot of people because that was a massive funeral like a, a huge church and everything and so many people came through the funeral home that week and he was a really popular kid and one of the things that i remember is probably four or five times people saying like oh you don't you don't need to do this you know like in terms of who's making a video for the service it's like oh justin's making it and everyone's like what and i remember being like well, no i'm making it not because i'm feeling like i need to contribute i'm making it because i want to make it and one of my favorite quotes when it comes to that is from a fellow canadian poet Shane Koizan, who says, when your heart breaks, make art with the pieces. And if we go through life in just continuous uh, loops of that, I think ultimately we're all going to be pretty successful in terms of like the most important part of what the word success means. We talked about people who inspire you as a creator, you know, uh, paying tribute to Bert and kind of keeping him in mind, I'm sure, as you create. What is your own vision or goals for yourself moving forward as a creator though yeah it's a good question for me just being able to just to get better um i definitely want to maybe work on some more documentary style stuff kind of like when we did like the why like the why we youtube style i like to maybe do like another one of those but just different and kind of just get people involved and maybe having more of like a team approach to it for me it's like i'm always trying to like work on bigger projects because for me that's just kind of like what challenges me too you know, that's why it's always good. I mean, it's good. I mean, it's good to have a niche. Yes, absolutely. But it's also good to be able to branch out and do different projects. So, you know, I may want to do kind of like a larger maybe project with where I live and maybe try to get the mayor involved. That's always been a goal of mine, even like during the pandemic. It's just a matter of like, what's the angle that I'm still trying to figure out. I don't know, being able to like, um, maybe talk with small small business owners and maybe doing a bigger project around that. I sort of like, honestly, like the, the real, like the real kind of like big goal or like the big kind of like, I guess maybe direction is having kind of like an Anthony Bourdain style parts unknown type of like series and have that. That's kind of like an ultimate and kind of going in that direction. 
I'm not sure on that angle specifically, but sort of kind of being able to like, kind of like travel and kind of do kind of like talk with really it, like cool people, people that you may not necessarily know, but they kind of have a big impact on the world. I think that'd be a really cool series to work on. Yeah, that's awesome. I remember sharing with you my vision for a YouTube channel the day that we met, and it was the idea of learning things, documenting them, and sharing them back. Yeah. My challenge has often been, and, and I could talk about this for over an hour itself, is the idea of how do we prioritizing versus being random as a creator, figuring out our one thing versus just having fun and making stuff as an artist, right? And like figuring out that balance. So I definitely for myself have to prioritize the podcast and make sure that that's basically the foundation. And then when I can, I get out and create. And that took a long time to learn. The funny thing is, if you go back and look at Michelle Carre's videos, and I don't know if you know Michelle, but that's the exact show that she has. She started that show literally like at the time that you and I met, which is fascinating. And so it's one of those things where it's like, you know, we all have these ideas and we're like, they're really cool ideas. And then we see other people do it. And it's like, oh, that was my idea. You know, I feel like there's a negative element of that where it's like, not realizing that the world is so abundant and you see, oh, somebody else did it. So then I'm not going to do it. But at the end of the day, I really feel that things are never saturated and there's a positive element to seeing somebody actually pull that off exactly what your idea was from beginning to end. And so I appreciate that you referenced Anthony Bourdain, because again, as creators, we need to model our practice after someone like Austin Kleon, steal like an artist. How do we do that? How do we give tribute in our work? And then how do we continue to kind of build from there? Um, you mentioned being able to travel and just create. So that leads me to a question that I know some people in the audience had asked, and that was, how do you balance your life commitments, the ability to pay your bills and being a creator when you're setting out to do this? Like, what does that look like for you? Just be able to say no to other things. Like know what's know what's important to you, right? So it may be saying no to going out with your friends or birthday parties or being able to say no to certain things. Just if it may, if it's really important to you, then you're gonna have to say no to other other things, right? So if if you work a nine to five, you know, either maybe maybe you work after work, you know, whatever seven to eleven, whatever whatever like whatever the whatever the structure is, because it's gonna be different for everyone. But you're gonna have to say no to things if it's really important to you being able to just have focus and just kind of breaking down a project into smaller bits. So if you're shooting a video, well, maybe like Monday, you're just going to like shoot the B-roll of it, or you're just going to shoot the supporting footage and not try to do everything in one day, kind of break it down just so it's not overwhelming. Because when you're starting out, it's overwhelming, right? So, you know, when you start out, make a short video, maybe it's only one minute, just have something to work off of for video number two, and maybe make that video two minutes, the next video is five minutes. Like don't make a 25 minute video on your first video, it's not gonna go too well. Make a short video, and that's what I did, I made short videos. Manageable pieces, make it manageable, make it so it's not overwhelming, make it so it's still fun for you, right? Remember, you still need to have fun during this whole thing. <laughs> And just have, yeah, maybe Monday you're shooting video, maybe Tuesday you're shooting the talking piece, maybe Wednesday you're going to start the edit, like whatever the, whatever the structure is, have a deadline though for yourself. So you can work off that deadline, whatever, whatever the deadline is, have the deadline so you know exactly what you need to work on and when, because it's easy not to do it. <laughs> it's easy to push it off the next day and the next week. And then all of a sudden it's three months, you haven't made the video, right? And that's where a lot of people fail is that they just don't have, like, they don't have that focus, like just have, like, have the deadline and say, no, nope, this is when it has to be done. So you have to boss yourself. So, no, it has to be done that. Yeah, I feel like the writing community is really strong at 
doing that and then showcasing it, whether it's someone like massively successful, like, you know, Stephen Pressfield, who talks about turning pro and how to turn pro long before you see the quote unquote success, or some online creators like Nicholas Cole or Dickie Bush, who will show they're like, here's my daily schedule. I write from 7am to 11. I do this, they structure it. And so the writing community has always been pretty powerful that way. I feel like what you just said there, even though it took, you know, close to an hour, it's like a definite a hook point for this episode, because I think that that really structuring it, even though it's super creative and unstructured within those time blocks is an extremely important tip for people starting out because I can remember when that kind of clicked for me, it was like, oh, this all seems like so much. But once I figured out how to plan my, let's call it 168 hours, like how to plan my week a bit better, constraints allowed me to be more creative. And I think that people wouldn't really expect that. One of the things that you mentioned was make a short video. And that's another audience question is, how do you think about the idea of creating shorts or let's say vertical videos, reels, TikToks, all that kind of thing? Regardless of the platform, like platform aside, how do you think about that? Because it's relatively new uh, versus creating your long form. And what's your thoughts on all that stuff? Shooting short vertical video is important. I like to shoot longer form content, but that's me. So what I do is I basically repurpose the longer content into shorter content and just make it vertical. So that's how I kind of like navigate that. But, you know, if you, but people obviously like shooting short vertical content. So again, I think it's the same concept, like make something that you want to make. So maybe you're doing like a reel on Coke versus Pepsi. Okay, so what's the hook? Like, what are you trying to, maybe it's like, maybe the person, maybe trying to ask people, oh, is this Coke or Pepsi? Maybe that's the hook, right? And then have, again, a payoff. Is the person going to guess it right or wrong? So it's the same concept, just a different format. But it's here to stay. Like, it's not going to go anywhere. Like, it's not going to disappear. Like, I think I think the TikTok and the reels of the world is like, it's, people have very short, attention spans right so i always find it hard to make short content like i don't like i don't it's not really my thing like i make i like making longer form content right so that's why i always just re, re like repurpose myself into into reels or whatever which is i don't know it's uh it's definitely it's definitely it's definitely a wild wild west that's for sure like it's you know sometimes you post a reel on instagram it goes nowhere but you post on tiktok and it goes viral like there's no there's no there's no rhyme or reason like there's no the same video <laughs> Yeah, no, I completely agree. Like, I'll, I'll I'll fire something onto YouTube Shorts. Zero views after three months. Okay, cool. Meanwhile, it hit six point eight k on Instagram. Ah, whatever. There's no rhyme or reason. Like, there's no there's no <laughs> scientific formula. It's just like you just post it and then you just hope for the best, right? So yeah, for the short stuff, just again, make stuff that you want to make, and again, and it, it and just be consistent, and just have a again, have a plan, have be consistent, be make it. Make it so not overwhelming. You don't have to make a cinematic masterpiece. Again, you just need to kind of be consistent. And I think honestly, being consistent is half the battle. Even more so because there's going to be less people at the top too, right? Like, like the more the more consistent you are, there's less people there because everyone kind of starts falling off a little bit, falling off. So if you're still there, you're it's gonna it's gonna it's gonna work out, right? I think so. It depends. It doesn't it doesn't even have to be. You don't even have to have success on Instagram or on TikTok. It could be t- something totally else, right? Because I'll take my example of getting the job by landscape company. The question on the interview was like, what do you do? Again, show versus tell. I just showed them my YouTube channel. They go, okay, we get it. Hired, right? You know what I mean? Like, again, if I try to explain my YouTube channel, it's like, what? Here it is. <laughs> again, show versus tell, right? So again, you never you never know who's watching, who's listening. You never know who's going to say something. It's just, you just never know. So just, again, be ready for it, right? Just have a portfolio of stuff to show people and be able to like 
communicate like what what it is that you're trying to do and where and where you want to go with it right sometimes it happens to people that don't even expect it <laughs> oh yeah i got this email from whoever it's like they want to do like a brand deal it's like, okay now what now one other thing again i love it's almost like I feel like I could do full episodes sometimes where every question just comes from the audience and all I have to do is relay these questions, you know, which I guess is the fun thing about going live too, which will be fun to do more of. But the question was around the idea of AI and whether you have an AI strategy when it comes to photography or filmmaking, but also do you use it and how do you see it impact? So when we come up with this theme of artificial intelligence and how we interact with it as creators, what are some thoughts you have in that world? Yeah, well, there's the, like the two schools of camp where you have camp one where you know, AI is going to take over all their jobs. And then you have the other camp where it's like, well, no, it's actually going to help creators. I don't think it's going to take over all of our jobs. I think it's, I mean, if you, if, if, if you do, right, it's going gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna to assist us. I mean, I have used it before in terms of creating like scripts for work and stuff, um, which is fine. Even stuff on Photoshop where you can like, you know, create something totally different that you weren't able to. Um, I don't, I think it depends on, again, what you're trying to show the audience, like what it is that you're trying to do. And if AI helps, then that's great. If it doesn't, then you don't have to use it, right? Again, again, AI is not going to go away. It's, it's, it's just begun. Like it just started. It's going to be totally different probably in like six months, Like you never know where it's going to go. Yeah, it's such a broad topic. Like to me, it's like when people talked about Web3 a couple of years ago and it was kind of the famous buzzword. It was like, I don't think people understand how massive of a topic they're talking about. And they're like, oh, well, well, is this like a fad or will it be here to stay? And I'm like, well, it's a fad if you consider the term social media or the term the internet a fad, then sure, it's a fad. Same with AI. Is this like here to stay or not? It's like, yes, it's here to stay, but it's such a massive term. It's as massive a term as the term social media or as the term internet. Like, so it's super broad. And then within that, there's a lot. I personally, it, it also depends on how you frame it, right? Because giving a command to something that can create a cartoon for you, like I've been doing that for four years. I don't even really do it anymore because I just don't like that style of video, but I used to use it a bit. I dabbled in it or transcripts for the show. I want this show to be accessible. So I've always transcribed everything. It's a little bit annoying because it costs me money and it takes some time. But for me, it's important that if somebody is hard of hearing, they're able to access the show by reading it if they wanted to, right? Like, does any Anybody do it? I have no idea. I'm sure a couple do. And a lot of people would argue it's not worth it. But for me, it is. And so I've always used transcription, which like in five minutes, it's going to put all of what we just talked about into words with timestamps. Uh, so that's AI. I've been using it for years. But recently, I started using the double talking two track interviews like this to edit podcasts, which has been a game changer. <laughs> I'm like, oh, man, that, that is huge. That saves me hours. So I'm so excited about that. But again, those are just kind of like tools that like, why wouldn't anyone use? I'm yet to use something like a mid journey to say, hey, create these photos for me or, you know, whatever the video version ends up being about that, because it's not great right now. But, you know, instead of story blocks where it's like B-roll footage that's stock, maybe we'll be able to create our own B-roll footage that's unique. And so in that case, I would grab that. Why not? It's not going to take away from being a creator per se, but maybe I do want to shoot a video from beginning to end. It's just me. And so anyways, those are kind of like my thoughts on it. I know that people were curious what, what yours were, so... Yeah, you never know. I mean, I, I mean, AI doesn't apply just to us as creators. It can apply to doctors and apply to nurses. Like where, like where, like where, like where does it end? You know, like it doesn't. I don't think it's gonna take over people's job. It's just gonna help us just be better, right? I don't. 
Well, I always fire up some theme questions that are the same. It ties all of my episodes together. And I know that you and I are the types of creators, but also have like a relationship where we could talk for days on end. But naturally, it's always good to leave the audience wanting more and we can run one back in the future. Um, but before we do, I'm currently in like before this episode, right after this episode, tomorrow night, the next night, every night I can right now, I'm working on a book on how to podcast. And I would love to put a line or two in there because I know that you have a podcast. Maybe that's something we can talk about in depth in a future episode. But when it comes to podcasting, if you were to have some wisdom in this book I'm creating, what is something that you would say to people interested in that medium? I would say, I would say, um, I would say make it, make it for yourself first. That's what I would say. I would say, talk to people that you want to talk to. Because I think it's going to, again, it's going to show in the interview. It's just going to show, like, are you into this or you're not? So I would say just talk to people that you're generally curious about. And talk to people that maybe do things that you've never done because you may learn something from that person. You never know. You know, you never know. Because they have different, uh, they just have a, like a different like a different life experience sometimes. And they may be able to share some wisdom that, hey, I like that. I have a whole outline in my, well, in my brain, but also on paper already, because I'm well into the creating of this book. And uh, I know that that will fit really well in the section on who to interview. So that's awesome. I appreciate it. Yeah, because you never know. You never know who's going to say what. And I generally, I don't know, I find people generally say yes to being on podcasts. Like I always thought people would say no to me, but generally people say yes. So people obviously want to share what they know, right? Yeah, that's a whole other topic. Uh, like again, that this is my world. I love talking to people about podcasting, especially when they're nervous to get started as a creator and things like that. Um, yeah, some do say yes, some do say no. I feel like way more than people think will say yes. I also feel like if you're asking, you know, your hundred top hundred dream guests from Oprah to Eckhart Tolle and Stephen Pressfield, then your rate of no's is going to go way up or you're not going to hear back. However, you'll probably get one or two of those that'll surprise you with a yes, which is which is pretty darn special. Um, but my main wisdom in the world of podcasting when it comes to that topic is definitely not to stress about it. You know, ask the people you want to come on and you're going to be so busy creating with people anyways that it doesn't matter whether people say yes or no. So... Yeah, which is why we landed on this and creating together, which is awesome because like if if people want to come on the show and they care about helping the audience and we said it right at the top about what it means to be an artist and a creator is to involve yourself in a practice. This is you and I creating in a generous way that may help people. It may go viral. It may not, but that's what art is. And so I think that's an awesome awesome moment to head into our theme questions. And the first one is, what is one thing that you are learning right now, maybe on topic to filmmaking or completely off topic? I'm actually learning how to, um, going back to AI, I'm learning how to use AI a little bit more now from work. So I'm learning that. What else am I learning? I'm learning how, I'm learning how to speak Spanish. Oh, that's a cool one. Yeah. Because I want to go to South America. And do some travel vlogs. Yeah, yeah. 100%. So yeah, I'm learning how to use talk Spanish. So plus, there's some Sp there's some Spanish people at work, so I just I just practice with them too. We talked a bit earlier about grief, and then that kind of often leads into the topic of legacy. If you were to leave one piece of advice for the next generation, what would it be? Believe in yourself. That's it. Awesome. And then I give you the mic. What's a question that you would ask me that you feel like may help the audience? Um, what's a question I would ask you? I would, I would ask, um, what's one thing you've learned over the past year? That's very on point to the theme of the show. <laughs> 
I would kind of love to have something unique. There's so many things that <laughs> obviously, but the whole brand being just keep learning. It's kind of like I, I try to be like a learner on steroids. One thing that's pretty in depth, though, that I feel like I could help people on that was so far off my radar before was the idea of creating newsletters as a part of your business or of, as a business overall and underlying the idea of using an email newsletter as something to communicate with your audience and help scale your business beyond creative like a podcast, but actually doing it in writing is the ability to write in a better way. And you mentioned it earlier on, the idea of grabbing attention quickly, then providing more of a thesis and information, and then giving some direction to people, which underneath that gives us the topic we've talked a lot about too, the idea of having hooks and hook points. And so I feel like when it comes to a lot of the stuff that I create, I'm so often thinking about how to create better hook points. So I feel like that is one of the, the things. Totally, man. 100%. The last but not least question is always why and where would people go to find your work? Why? I would say, why would you want to find my work? Well, if you want to um, kind of gain a sense of why people do what they do or how people do what they do, or if you want to learn a couple of things in terms of photography on the run, I would say that. If you want to have a laugh, you can definitely find my work. Um, yeah, it's a really good question, man. Like, it's just, I don't know. It's just, um, if you want to see like a documented space of time in terms of like, if it's like a Comic-Con or like at a photo shoot or like what goes behind the scenes in a photo shoot, all these types of little, little things that maybe you may not be able to see, you're able to see, so. Yeah, I don't think that's a really good answer, but hey, that's what I can think of right now. And where can they say my work? Everywhere. YouTube. There's some stuff on Instagram, Twitter. Where else is it? Where do they look up? Uh, YouTube, my name, Paul Yuchin. It's there. Um, P. Gooch on Instagram, Paul Gooch on Twitter. I'm everywhere these days. <laughs> Well, I really appreciate you, like I said at the top, taking the time to do this. As creators, we are always juggling priorities. And then as we also talked about, there's a balance of life versus creating. So it means a lot. And uh, until next time, thank you. Thanks, bro. Lots of fun. Boom. End scene. Audio out. <laughs> JKL listeners, thank you so much for being here. I believe greatly in having the courage to speak our goals out into the universe. Side note, I'd love to hear about your goals, so please reach out and let me know so I can cheer you on. One of my personal challenging goals is to help millions of people achieve their own dreams with this show. So please do continue to pass it along if you know someone that might appreciate it. Thank you to our guest, Paul. He really makes awesome short movies, but more importantly, he's a great example for all of us to go after our dreams. Please do check out his work. And as always, I love getting your DMs or comments about the show. If you have any input on guests or topics, don't be shy, just let us know. Until the next episode, all the best. And remember, just keep learning. You're one step closer to making your big dreams come true but there's plenty more where that came from. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. And if you know anyone who might love the show, send them a link. We'll see you next time on Just Keep Learning with Justin at Just Tries.